Have you ever wondered how the separate threads of your life fit in to one big picture? How the individual moments of challenge and triumph connect to one another to form the great meaning of your life? I am Anna Mullins, your Life Story Editor, and I'm convinced that making sense of our deepest pain can help us understand our deepest purpose. In my speaker training program and on this podcast, I help people weave together those confusing, often shameful pieces of their past, revealing the life-changing lessons that create their profound new story. Welcome to Unapologetic Stories, where secrets are out and the truth is in. Welcome back, storytellers. I am hosting a very special guest today, a recent graduate of the new True Story Talks speaker training program, and one incredible speaker, if I must say so myself. And we are going to talk about a topic that is very near and dear to not just my heart, but I think to the collective heart right now. We are talking about the body. A damn body, body image, body love, whether that's even possible or a goal we should have, how to find acceptance and celebrate this costume we're in. And you know what? We're going to talk about more than that too. We're going to talk about nutrition. We're going to talk about my guest and her story and what brought her to this work. And I'm telling you, I have the perfect guest for this terrifying conversation. She is Deanna Bedoya and she dreams of a day when we finally realize that our bodies deserve to be celebrated and loved for the marvels that they are. As a senior lecturer and teaching fellow at Simon Fraser University, she has taught thousands of undergraduates to understand their bodies and care for them in an individualized manner, one that certainly doesn't compromise mental health. Now, this is why I love Deanna. She is the author as well of two nutrition textbooks, delivers one of Canada's only obesity courses. Gosh, I'm going to have to ask you about that, Deanna. Is that true? There's only like Mm -hmm. so few. Oh my goodness. And Deanna is also the co-chair of her department's mental wellness committee. Her mental health advocacy, as well as her personal struggles with obesity, binge eating, and poor body image, allow her to deliver content in a practical, compassionate an empowering manner. I will add vulnerable and courageous as well, which are key components of her growing YouTube channel and her upcoming public nutrition and weight courses, which of course we're going to talk about today as well. This is Deanna Bedoya. Welcome to Unapologetic Stories. Thank you, Anna. I'm so excited to be here. Appreciate it. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you. And as I said at the top, this is one of those conversations, which I feel like everyone is having, but then also in some ways, like no one's having, does that feel like, I don't know if it's just me, but that seems like what I'm, I'm like either always hearing about the body, always seeing body conversations, or I'm just not seeing what I want to see. Yeah. I feel like they're sometimes really superficial, the body conversations and it's worth talking about the body and the way we think other people want us to talk about the body. Do you know what I mean? Whatever is kind of a la mode at the moment but I think a lot of us are struggling with things under the surface that we just don't feel like we can talk about 
Yeah. And I think that's, that's what I love about having you here because it's really the under the surface stuff that really compels me because as you say, there's people are always talking about loving their bodies, love your bodies, but it feels really hard to do when you don't actually like what you see in the mirror. So let's just start there. How do we do it? How do we love our bodies? And is it even necessary to love our bodies? Um, I think it is possible to love your body personally. And I think a good place to start is have that, having that intention, having that desire Mm. to be in a good place with your body. Um, It's funny. I was just actually looking up the definition of intention and I didn't know that medically it also means like the process of healing. (laughs) No, tell me more about that. Well, I didn't spend enough looking into it that way to speak more on it. But just in that quick definition, I'm like, that feels so right. You know, when we set an intention, when we say, this is our plan, this is the way I want to go forward with something, you know, we start a process in a new direction, you know, and that can be a healing process. Mm. So I believe that if to get to a place where we do love our bodies, we have to actually start a bit before that, start before we're ready. You know, you don't just wake up one morning and say, I love everything about myself. (laughs) That is for sure. Everything's fine. All those years of fighting with my body are over. You know, you have to want it. You have to put it in your, in your brain, in your, in your cognition. So you look for things that help to support that. Ah. And I think think with loving your body too, it's not just that it's, it's, (laughs) I don't have kids, but I know, like, I know that with kids, you love your kids, (laughs) but you don't always like everything they do. Right. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) I've heard. That is true. (laughs) and so like it's possible to love your body to appreciate it to see it for a marvel that helps you live your life but perhaps you know sometimes you have digestive issues or sometimes you know you put on some weight and you don't like how it looks at that moment that's just part of being human and I think that it's okay to have those moments as long as that doesn't take us away from like knowing that our bodies are here to support us, knowing that our bodies are here to help us and that we're intrinsically in a relationship with them. So loving our bodies, I also want to say, is also an action. It's not just a state of mind, right? So we love our bodies by treating them well. And yeah, sure, that's exercise, that's nutrition, but that's also like not pushing them too hard. You know, that's also like when your body asks for rest, giving it rest. That's also like, you know, (laughs) maybe kissing your shoulder to show your self-appreciation or giving yourself like a bath and like really feeling comfortable and well in that moment. So I think it's a bit of both. I think there's like a, there's a mind aspect to loving your body, but there's also this like, there's actions towards that to loving your body as well. So I do think it's possible, but we have to, we, we, it's not just going to happen overnight is is what I want to say. Yeah. Okay. I love this. I love (laughs) that you've redefined it too, as an action, because as you were actually talking and you said um, the example about the kids, like, you know, you love your kids, but you don't necessarily like everything they do or (laughs) all the things that kind of come along with being Mm -hmm. a parent. Mm -hmm. 
And it's almost like I had this little light bulb go off. Like there's a separation between loving as a feeling, as -hmm. in, I like this part of me right now in this moment, based on all of the other patterns Mm -hmm. and beliefs that are being fed to me. It's like love is a state of being, and it's sort of cemented at that level of the intention and the healing. It's like, we're Mm going to just operate on the idea that the body itself is love because it's a part of my existence here. Yes. And And so we can just be in it with it. Right. Absolutely. And that it's not here to like make our lives worse. (laughs) It's here to like help us live. And it allows us to do so many amazing things. You know, we don't talk about that. We talk about all the things our body isn't instead of talking about all the things our body is. If we truly knew, I teach anatomy sometimes too. If we truly knew like all the stuff that's going on below the surface in our body, we would be blown away and just in constant awe of what these things are able to do. But instead we focus on the negative. Such good perspective. That's exactly right. Because instead we focus on, and maybe I'll have you kind of fill in the blank here Mm -hmm. because you said, you know, we, we, our body isn't trying to make our lives worse, but -hmm. there is a force outside Mm -hmm. of us that kind of is trying to tell us that our body is making our lives worse. And I go here because I think this is, this is really the struggle for me in this conversation. It has been, um, I think I said this on a podcast two seasons ago where I was talking about body image and I I remember saying, or I don't know if it was body image. I don't even know what we were talking about, but I had this kind of revelation that when I gained weight, the world stopped treating me the same. So I grew up classically thin, relatively thin. And so I didn't ever really struggle. I had, let's just put it into perspective. I had thin privilege most of my life Mm. up until a whole slew of accidents and injuries and disabilities Mm. and medications and the combination of all of those things, along with the, you know, bearing two children and all the other things that happen as you age, then the world started treating me differently. Mm. When I no longer looked thin, when I no longer was thin. I then had to struggle with a different conversation with the world. Mm. And so I think that's the piece that I I get challenged by here is it's like, Mm -hmm. listen, everyone's telling me I shouldn't love it. Even if I want to love it, even if I want to like it, I keep getting these other messages, which is like doors are slamming in my face. Yeah. I, 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 I've had the opposite. So first of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, Because I think a lot of people can identify with that. I had the opposite situation where I was large all my life. And then when I did lose weight, people were nicer to me. (laughs) And I, and I have to be honest with you, it made me angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, what the heck is this? Like, I'm the same person. What I'll say is it might, one thing I'll, I'll, I want to add here is there's might be people treating me different because I'm showing up different too. Yes, that's true. So when I had lost weight, I, you know, thought maybe a bit differently of myself and maybe had a bit more confidence. So maybe I showed up different, but I don't think that's the majority of it. Mm. I think that we are fundamentally, the brain likes to judge. The brain has to judge. It has to know which direction to move in. So when we see a person, the first thing we see about them 
is their appearance. And one of the things we see about their appearance too is their size. So we've been conditioned to judge people and think we know them based on their appearance and their size. And, and I just want to uh, just be honest about that, that that is true. And there are a lot of messages out there that say that there's this exclusive, and this is part of the talk I did for, for the True Story Talks, you know, there's this exclusive cool girls club or cool kids club and, yeah. you know, skinny and pretty or fit people belong in it and everyone else doesn't. And, and I hear that, but it's also a choice we get to make, whether we want to buy into that narrative and whether we want to live our lives based on what other people think for us. Um, one of my favorite um, things, one concepts that I used to teach was about like the five deathbed regrets. And one, it was this palliative nurse, Bonnie Ware, who used to uh, work with people that were dying. And one of the deathbed regrets that was the most common that she said was, that people said was, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life other people expected of me. Yeah. Because we get to the end of our lives and, you know, or I'm not at the end of my life yet, but I don't want to get to the end of my life and be like, I wish I hadn't spent so much time trying to fit into other people's narratives for me. Mm. I wish I hadn't spent so much time struggling with my body because it made me dim my light for all these years. Ugh, yeah. You know, and this, and I'm not saying this is easy. This is, this is, and that's where that intention comes in right? How do you want to show up in your life? Always feeling like, you know, you're not good enough or you're different because of the way you look? Or do you want to show up one of your favorite words unapologetically? That's right. Right. And owning it. You know, it's funny. I was looking at older pictures of me and uh, recently as I was like putting together a gift for my husband for Christmas. And I, I was like, I can't help but look at how my body has changed over the years and I was like and I was looking at pictures of me when I was larger versus smaller and I like actually saw myself beautiful in both of those places because it was the light in my eyes that was beautiful you know what I mean it's not just about the shape it's also about how we're showing up so when we're listening to these outside voices that are like that are nicer to us when we are thinner or meaner to us when we're larger, that takes us away from really showing up as who we are. And I don't want to live my life that way. Yeah. I don't want to live my life having my self-worth change with my body changing Yeah, because our bodies are going to change. And as we get older, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're not gonna get much you know fitter while well, they can get fitter but they're not gonna get you know <laughs> they're not gonna get younger they're not gonna they're get, not get younger. younger yes thank yeah. you I'm trying to choose my words <laughs> I appreciate that they're not gonna get younger so if we're tying our self-worth constantly to how other people treat us based on how we look right then we're just putting ourselves in a path to feel worse and worse about ourselves as we age yeah and that's not the life I want to live. Yeah. I want to be sparkly when I'm older. You know, <laughs> I want to be happy and showing up to things like with light in my eyes. So I love that. 
it's hard. But I'm, I'm not no, I love it. It's, it's yes, hard. it is. And I'm going to acknowledge that it's incredibly hard. And I say that from yeah. a personal perspective, as well as just objectively sort of looking at the world and the systems that are at play that really, mm. really hold people back from being able to like, love, appreciate, be in action, be in state of being around intention around their bodies. It's such a big thing to mm-hmm. kind of overcome. And so I, I just want to validate that because it has been very difficult in my own life to overcome mm-hmm. that difference and when witnessing myself. But as you said, you like, you go back and look at these pictures and see the sparkle in your eye. I really, interestingly, have never thought about this. It's never been in my awareness, but now that you've brought it up, I'm like, you know what? I do that too. Mm-hmm. Not just looking for the sparkle, but I look now, I look at which, uh, where I am and who I'm with. So if I look back at the pictures and I think, wow, I was out, I was like with a social group, I was in front of an audience or I was standing next to X person or Y person and having these experiences, it's really about sort of appreciating that I showed up at all and noticing as well. And I I think this is kind of in my awareness that I didn't necessarily show up feeling super great about myself. I wasn't Mm. jumping up and down in those moments. And I think back to some of the unapologetically her events there year two, I was probably at my heaviest Mm. and I was also ridiculously sick that day, like crazy Mm. off the charts, antibiotics. So like craziness. And I look back at those pictures and I think it was very, very, very hard for me to show up to that Mm. event at all let alone literally plan it for 10 months, be the central figure at the event, Mm -hmm. flying in celebrities and all kinds of stuff. And I couldn't even bring wardrobe to that event. I had Mm -hmm. no clothes that fit me. Mm -hmm. I had to Mm -hmm. wear yoga pants and like a sweater and a coat. I literally had to wear a jacket to that Mm -hmm. event that was purchased at like a non-conventional store in order to even have wardrobe. Like we had nothing. And there was nothing that, that worked and that I could find. And I actually had this experience. I have probably talked about this on the podcast before where I had gone to, I think I'd gone to Nordstrom mm. and I, which was a mistake to buy an <laughs> outfit for that event. And I love Nordstrom, but in this particular instance, I walked up to one of the sections and the sales clerk just said to me, um, she, she just came over and whispered to me as I'm just folding my fingers through the racks of clothes. And she said, um, just quietly whispered. So no one else could hear that we have some other sizes in the back. If you see anything you like, let me know. Hmm. And it was the first time. And it was days, just days before this event. It was literally the first time that I realized other people hmm. saw me the way I saw me. Hmm. And I was like, oh man, that sucks. I kind of thought I was sort of like hiding this a little bit. Mm. And now I'm like noticing that the world is seeing it and is treating me mm. differently. And this, I, I'm getting like, I don't know if I should say, is that kind? I don't know. Put the fucking sizes on the fucking rack. <laughs> yeah. Like I shouldn't have to go digging in the back and neither should you to find clothes that fit me. So in any case, that's a complete tangent, but I just really appreciate that you brought up that example of going back and really looking at the times that we do show up for ourselves and seeing that sparkle, seeing the, the, the kind of goodness in that presence and just being there. Can I add something to yeah. what you said there? Oh, please do. Yeah, I'm the, just the Nordstrom thing. I had a Nordstrom experience. 
<laughs> did you myself here we yeah, are calling out and i just sent a, a friend there i feel bad i sent a friend there for bra fitting and she, they couldn't find her size two but actually she found something somewhere else but um i had that experience this year too where i went there for shopping and you know i got a bunch of clothes that was a, at a larger size and it was the first time and this was hard and i wouldn't say it's 100 percent, but it was the first time where i was brought bigger sizes and I didn't let it mean something about me. Uh, I think that's where we're going with our heads in this moment. Yeah. That let's say you are larger, you know, that does not take away from your worth as a human. Mm. And like I said, I don't want our worth to ever change with our bodies changing. And so in that moment, when we are brought a different size, that's where we're at, at that moment. And yeah, maybe that leads to an intention of like, actually, you know, I'd like to change my diet or I'd like to increase the amount of exercise I do. That's okay. If you do want to change your body, it's okay. But can we do that from a place of I'm worthy now? And if I change my body, I'm the same amount of worthy. You know, I doesn't have to mean that as my size changes, my worth changes, which is, I think, sometimes what happens when we're told we're a larger size you know, it's, it's, hard. it's hard. Yeah. But like, it's just, it's our body. It's not our essence. I love this. I'm the same amount of worthy. Yeah. I'm the same amount of worthy. <laughs> just the same amount. I love that quote. I'm the same amount of worthy and just yeah. arriving at this place that sounds to me like acceptance and in parts celebration yeah. Tell me about your own journey towards that acceptance, that celebration that we're talking about. Well, I'm a 40, I just turned 40 and uh, it's taken me 30, I think it's like really started at 39. (laughs) Yep, me too, me too. I'll be 40 in May and it's just starting. It's just starting. So, and I'm not a hundred percent there just because I like anything, like dealing with anxiety or mental health issues, you know, they're a lifelong thing you know, often. And so for me, so I was like different from a young age. I was the black haired, larger body kid in a, you know, in a ballerina costume, like surrounded by little tiny blondes and brunettes who all just looked perfect to me. And I didn't know why I was different, but I was different. And I knew that. And so I always just felt that like lack of belonging, from a young age and which multiplied when uh, in grade five, I went on a trip to Columbia and I came back having been like showered with love in the form of like sweet bread <laughs> and delicious yes. orange pop. I came back quite, quite large. Like I had childhood obesity and that framed a lot of my adolescence, right? That, that, that feeling of oh, well, not only am I black haired and different for this reason, I'm also fat, I would say to myself, and that's why people don't like me. And that's why I don't belong. And that's why I'm not worthy. These are kind of the leaps my brain made. And so that started this lifelong battle with my body of like, it's my body's fault that I am unworthy. It's my body's fault that people you know, that people maybe don't like me, that I don't fit in with the cool kids. Right. And so I spent a lot of my teenage years and a lot of my twenties, just like at war with my body. I, you know, 
even went to university to study like biomedical science because I wanted to like master my body, beat it into shape. And I did. <laughs> I overexercised. I became obsessive with exercise. I became obsessive with jumping from like diet to diet and trying every new trend. And, and yeah, okay. I got to a place where let's say I was objectively thinner. But what's funny about that is that in my later 20s, when I started to teach at the university, I was teaching health courses and I was teaching courses and, and in health course in, in my contemporary health class, we talk about like the definition of health and the de definition of health, according to the WHO is complete physical, mental, and social well-being. Mm, interesting. And I had been really focused on that physical well-being at the, at a way that compromised my mental health and my social health, right? And my mental health was not good because I was just at war still. And I was doing all these practices that led me further and further away from home, <laughs> from connection to self, to, yeah. to me, to my essence, and more like listening to outside voices and not feeling good enough to have had the body that let's say, you know, we see out there. So the big turning point was, you know, focusing more on mental health. That was like a big change in my thirties. I, I was like, I, I need to get back to that. So, you know, I started focusing a bit more on that, but probably the biggest change came last year and I should put a content warning on this, but I had some fertility struggles. So in both 2019 and 2020, the fall, I got pregnant and I had a miscarriage both times. Mm, so sorry. Thank you. Uh, it was tough as anyone who's gone through fertility issues knows. And one of the things when I got pregnant is my body just shut down. Like I've heard of all sorts of different pregnancy stories, but like, and I know other women have experienced this as well, but my body just like, I couldn't move. I like had no appetite, but I was gaining weight. I, my mind was just like blank. <laughs> I had no, I just fully foggy and I was just tired all the time and couldn't leave bed. And then I had a miscarriage too. Ugh. And so I worked with this woman after the fact, a kind of a, a woman's health person. And she had me, I was so angry at my body. I was so angry. I was like, you jerk, you freaking jerk. Yeah, yeah. I've been like, I have been trying to get you to work all these years and I did everything right, you know, and, and this is what happened. And so this, this woman, she's like, I want you to think of you, there's you and there's your body and you're sitting across the table from each other. So what do you want to say to your body? And I said, and I, <laughs> and I was like, you fucking jerk. I'm right. like, you put me, you put me through this. You like, I did everything right. I just like, I've done all the nutrition stuff, right. I've done all the exercise stuff, right. And you've never done what I've said, what I've asked you to do. How could you do this to me? Oh, oh my God. That just gave me goosebumps. Yeah. Powerful. And then, and then she said, okay, what does your body want to say to you? Oh, I could cry. I know I'm going to cry too. And I was like, and I was like, fuck. I was like, I took a second and I was like, you never listen to me. 
Oof. And you've never listened to me. Oof. It's always been about you. Oh, yeah. And that was, that was, that was big for me. That mm. was really big for me. Cause imagine being in an intimate relationship with someone. It's 11, 11 right now, as I say this. Yes, it is. I was just <laughs> looking at that. Wow. You know, imagine being in an intimate relationship with, with someone, a partnership with someone for 39 years and having one person think that they're running the show constantly and that they're in charge and not listening, gaslighting. I've been essentially gaslighting my body. Yeah. And like, no, you're not hungry. No, you're not tired. No, just, just, just work harder. Just push harder. Right. Not listening to it my entire life. And I was oh, like, that's big. It was huge. It was really big. And that's it big. was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't be in constant struggle with my body, especially since I'm supposed to be like a mental health advocate and a body positivity person, you know? So what does this look like different? So the past year has really been about like renegotiating that relationship wow. and actually taking time out to be like, like actually like, like literally asking my body, what do you need right now? Right? Like, <laughs> that like, simple, hey? Is that simple sometimes? It's like, do you want to exercise right now? You know, and I know some of my people will be like, I'll always say no to that, but my body does like exercise, but sometimes it's tired. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. What do you want right now? Oh, I could really use just like a stretch. I'm tired, right? Like this morning, I would have typically gone on my Peloton. I'm like, my body's like, I need a stretch. Yeah. Right. So that's been the journey. I'm not there a hundred percent, but that was a big change in how I approach my body. Yeah. I'm taking forward. I just absolutely love that. And I love that you've, I mean, just such great tangible examples of having that or, or opening that dialogue with our bodies and just saying like, this is a, this is a relationship mm -hmm. that we have. This is not just us squashed up in our bodies as one kind of, you know, unified war zone, basically. Mm -hmm where we're just at war all the time. And I think there, we do at some point after we've been at war for so long, we do get to some understanding, I think, that keeping a healthy weight is, or healthy, and I'm putting healthy in quotations because I mm -hmm. want you to define that for me as well. But keeping kind of that quote unquote healthy weight is really easy for some people. And it's very <laughs> difficult for other people that mm. that is just a, a fact biologically. So talk to me, first of all, how do you define healthy weight? And then yeah. why is keeping a healthy weight so easy for some and so hard for others? Yeah. And I'm glad you brought this up because I don't want to say like, sometimes we talk about loving and accepting and celebrating our body and people are like well you need to be healthy too and, and right. I think that and, and both they can coexist <laughs> you know we can be imagine healthy. that imagine that that we can be <laughs> healthy in our body and also like celebrate them for being different yeah right so my definition of a healthy body actually kind of stole it a little bit from these two leading obesity doctors here in Canada, uh, Yanni Friedhoff and, and Arya Sharma, they wrote a book called Best Weight. And their definition of, of a healthy weight is the weight you achieve while living kind of the healthiest version of yourself in a way that still lets you enjoy your life. Oh, good definition. 
Yeah. So can you and, read and, that? Can you read that again? That's sure. really, I, I'm not, I'm just like, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> so but <laughs> your healthiest weight, your best weight is the weight you achieve while living the healthiest version of your life that still lets you enjoy your life (laughs) that doesn't take away from that. Okay. So your best, I'm going to double paraphrase this, but your, your best and healthiest weight is when you're living your best and healthiest life. Yes. There you go. There you said it. Or take out even the word healthy. Cause I think that it's so loaded that word, right? I know. Just so yeah. it comes with so many other definitions that people plug into it about what that means to them. Totally. But with the word best, it just feels like joy and love. So yeah. I want to kind of re-paraphrase that as <laughs> I've paraphrased and paraphrased <laughs> your paraphrase and a paraphrase, <laughs> but basically your best weight is the weight that's achieved when you're living your best life. Absolutely. Okay. I, and doing things for your body, you know, and like doing things that are, that you're, we know, like, we know the basics, you know, we know the basics about like eating whole foods and, you know, not eating ideally too much more than your body needs and getting regular movement. We know those basics, but can we do that in a way that still lets us enjoy our lives? you know, and that is still accepting of the fact that our bodies are different than other people. Yes. But why is it, why is it so easy for some people or why? I mean, there's so many answers to this, I'm sure, but (laughs) I I just want, I think from, for the audience's perspective here, as you're listening, I want everybody to just get a deep breath out and go, aha, it is, we are just different. Yeah. So quite honestly, the list is long of why it's more difficult for some people than others. Um, I, um, there's this really cool study, this genome wide association study where they like looked at the genetic material of like people that are in larger bodies compared to the genetic material of those that are in smaller bodies. And they found that the biggest changes that happen in our genes that we see in people in larger bodies have to do with changes around center around the genes that are associated with appetite. Mm. So one of the major things that is driving some people having larger bodies is a larger drive to consume food, which is coupled with an environment that pushes food on us constantly. Right. So there's that plus, yeah, some people have a faster metabolism. Sometimes some people process foods a little bit more quickly and don't necessarily deposit a lot of fat body fat accordingly to that. And they burn through calories a lot more quickly. There are reasons associated with like the composition of the bacteria in your gut. Some people have a type of bacteria in their gut. This sucks. Some people have a type of bacteria in their gut that like, um, gets more calories out of your food. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Super annoying. Yeah. We find that in people with obesity, they tend to have more of a certain type of bacteria like that. And then there's also like upbringing and habits, you know, and you know, what you've done since a young age and how that's been like integrated programmed into the way you behave as an adult as well. But a lot of it has to do with biology biology and the an environment that pushes food on us right some people's biology even if they're in a food heavy environment it won't their their body weight won't change very much but some of us that have a predisposition to overeating 
or have a predisposition to body fat deposition, you put us in an environment where food is everywhere and where every message is about sitting, you know, it's, it's, it's really actually no surprise <laughs> that we have like such a high, high percentage of obesity and overweight in Canada. It's not surprising at all. Right. right? Given what's it, given, yeah, given biology and given <laughs> our food environment. And we don't want to, I mean, we certainly don't want to gloss over as well, given that I have you as kind of an expert here on this. And you've mentioned obesity a couple of times. And now that we're sort of down that path, obesity is a serious disease with a lot of negative health outcomes. Mm -hmm. How do you, we, any of us having this conversation, how do you reconcile telling people to sort of celebrate their bodies in one conversation when their body, um, when their bodies may put them at increased risk of disease by medical standards. Yeah. And I think that part of what we need to look at is, are we judging people or are we trying to help people? <laughs> and I think when we're telling exactly people, where I, was we, hoping <laughs> I think when we're telling people to lose weight, it's often, <laughs> often it's like internalized bias that we're externalizing that's right. Right? <laughs> is what's happening when we're telling other people to lose weight. So I think that's a place to start is to like realize that we're all on our own journeys and obesity. Yeah. Obesity does have a lot of health complications. That's my back. Like that's where my background is. And I can tell you about, you know, all the increased risk of things like cardiovascular disease and type two diabetes and, and certain types of cancers, et cetera. But telling people constantly that they need to lose weight without giving them proper ways to do so that are actually healthy and don't compromise their mental health and that aren't sustainable, this isn't helping. Telling people to just eat less, it's not helping either. Right. So how do we appreciate the fact that someone in a larger body wants to get healthier because perhaps that larger body is putting that at risk to disease, but how do we help them find a path to that that doesn't compromise their mental health and that doesn't make them feel shame and guilt the whole time? Because guess what shame and guilt often lead to is poor health behaviors. <laughs> you know, when we're motivating people to lose weight by saying you should feel bad and you should feel disgusting about that, you know, that doesn't help mental health. And mental health is one of the things that's really important for not only achieving a healthy size, but also staying in that state of health as well. So yeah. I love that staying in the state of health. Sorry, I cut you off. Keep going. Uh, no, no. Uh, yeah, no, no, I like, I like your interjections. They're great. <laughs> um, but like, so yes, obesity is a disease. And yes, you know, uh, if someone wants to change that, I think it's up to them. It's not for me to decide what other people need to do. But if someone wants to take what we would call a weight-based approach to their health, right, then there's a way to do that, that again, like I keep saying, doesn't compromise mental health. And there's a way to do that that is going to work for that person. I think sometimes we try to take what's worked for us and or what's worked, you know, for someone we know and say, this is what you need to do. You need to go on this kind of diet and need to do it this way and whatever else. But that's not helpful. And we also are not thinking about the fact that like a lot of people with obesity, they've friggin' tried. They've friggin' tried. Right. They have tried all sorts of things. And each thing they've tried and that hasn't gone well because it's set up to fail because diets are set up to fail, you know, that's impacted their self-esteem, perhaps their self-worth, perhaps, 
right? So they're probably in a place where they're not going to be quite trusting <laughs> of a lot of these interventions that are out there. Right? Right. So I'm kind of going on different tangents here. No, too, I but- think it's really important. And honestly, like, I think just something that you said that landed with me, as you said it, and I kind of had an aha moment. And so I want to bring it back up here is when you said a weight based health approach. Okay. So how did you phrase that? Because I think this is super key to this dialogue and being able to differentiate that having a weight based approach to your health journey is an individualized intention that of course should be set with the proper supports around you. But I do think that people confuse it. Like in terms of, I want to get healthy, it is immediately presumed, assumed, and, or understood Mm -hmm. that what that means or what we're trying to say is I'm, I want to lose weight. hundred percent. And that has been like, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and that's not the same thing. Losing weight doesn't mean you're getting healthier. (laughs) Because again, remember health is a complete state of physical, mental, and social well-being. And a lot of people get to a lower weight by really compromising their mental and physical, sorry, and mental and sometimes physical and, and social health. Mm -hmm. Right. So this, I really like this new area of conversation, excuse me, around weight-based versus non-weight-based approaches right? And it really is for someone that perhaps has a lot of trauma around, you know, over dieting or like a lot of judgments from family and friends around weight, you know, a weight-based approach might not be the best thing for them, right? And a weight-based approach is one where like, you know, maybe you're setting weight loss goals just to be clear about that, right? Where a non-weight-based approach to health would be like, I'm not even thinking about the scale. The scale is irrelevant, I want to rethink, reapproach this relationship to, with my body mm-hmm. and nourish my body for health, move my body for health in a way that works with it. But I'm not going to look at the scale because, and like I said, a lot of people have scale trauma. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have scale trauma myself. Well, do you know what's so interesting too? Yeah, I definitely have. There's no question about it. I have scale trauma for sure. And I will say this, that in this is kind of a random example, but it's something that I only ever have talked about at that event that unapologetically her, in fact, the same one where I was struggling with my own image and having to be seen and on video and all the, all the rest of it, as well as being ill and wearing yoga pants on stage in front Mm. of Arlene Dickinson, all the things I, it was the only time I had ever also mentioned that my maternal grandmother, she died when she was 59. So she Mm. was very, very young and she didn't get a lot of life to live. And she spent the majority of her life covering herself up. She mm. was very body conscious. I mean, there was other things at play back in those days as well. And just um, women and shame and bodies and all of that kind of exposure. Mm. But it was mostly to do with the shape and size of her body mm. and never would have put on that bathing suit, never would have gone to the beach, like, or at least would have had a blanket on and a sweater on probably sitting next to the ocean. So all of this in her life when, when her life ended near the end of her life, she was actually the thinnest she's ever been, but that's because she was dying. Mm. She was so sick, so ill. And her thinness was in relation to her illness. Mm. And when she was healthy, her healthiest and best version of her life, besides the body image issues, when she was 
most active, most joyful was when she was at her heaviest. And Mm. so when I look at that as an example, because we always think, but we don't always think that most people presume that thinner is healthier. And that's not necessarily true. There are so many examples of, in particular, health situations as well, when I was probably my heaviest, but also at, I was probably doing the best ever on mental health medication as well. Mm -hmm. And that mental health medication was adding weight to my body, but mentally I was better. So Mm -hmm. if we don't understand the nuances of this conversation about what health looks like, Mm -hmm. and going back to your definition, right, is like the that weight, that best weight is achieved when you are living your best life, that doesn't look like anything. Mm -hmm. That is (laughs) such an individualized thing that it just can't be summed up, I think, in in one conversation. And my experience with going to health professionals, and I'm using quotes, (laughs) health professionals or fitness professionals or anybody that was sort of helping me with my health journey the first conversation they had with me was how much weight do you want to lose? Or I can get you to lose weight, or I can get you to look like this, et cetera, et cetera. Or if you do this, you will look like this. You will lose this much weight. We can do it. It was always centered around weight, whether or not I added that to the conversation, which I probably did. I mean, I'll take ownership for the fact that that's, I was so obsessed with losing weight as well, that that was something I was bringing to the conversation, but I definitely didn't have this perspective, although I knew in my heart of heart of heart of hearts, I wasn't actually looking for a weight-based approach. I was looking Mm -hmm. for a happiness approach. Mm -hmm. I was looking to feel just better. I wasn't necessarily looking to change my appearance in any way, Uh, maybe on the surface, but underneath, there was so much underneath that that hadn't been healed. And I just, God, I love this conversation that we're having. So I'm really happy you shared that. And I want to just say to anyone listening here that if you go to health professionals and you don't want to have a weight-based approach and they're pushing that on you, there are other health professionals out there. That's right. (laughs) You know, there's there, especially like the Canadian obesity network is amazing. And they're really trying to re-educate a lot of doctors, quite honestly, a lot of health professionals around these different approaches to obesity and to weight. And I know that that's been the prevailing message that weight determines your health, but it's just one metric yeah. and it doesn't give a complete picture at all. And that doesn't need to be your focus when you are trying to get healthier and feel better and be more alive, feel more sparkly, you know, just sounds as like was one of your goals. It, exactly. And I know too, I mean, I'm going to add this nuance again, this kind of intersection to the conversation, because it's very important to me and my life story to share this as well, is that we aren't when we have these conversations about, you know, just lifting more weights, going for more runs, doing more sit-ups, whatever your quote unquote health and fitness professionals are telling you to do. We are not ever asking the question of whether or not our bodies have the ability to do those things. Mm. There is a huge, we <laughs> talked about the intersection of ageism a little bit here as well, which mm. is how this comes in, but there is an intersection of ableism in mm-hmm. these conversations that drives me absolutely off the deep end mm-hmm. because I could not and still cannot do many things that I could do prior to my injuries. There are many activities that hurt me more than they help me. My body will be in physical pain and it will shut me down from being able to have a social activity or play with my kids or walk the dog. 
I will be absolutely chair bound or house bound for a long time if I overdo it, if I don't pace myself. And it's not a healthy choice for me to do the typical things that most health professionals are prescribing in order to lose the weight or burn the calories. So that's my small situation, but something I recently learned and I wanted to share because I know it's not something that most people understand. There is certain conditions out there. One of them is it used to be called chronic fatigue syndrome. It is no longer called that. There is a big, long scientific name for it, which I can barely pronounce, but the <laughs> acronym is ME. So it's myalgic encephala something, look it up, ME or FM, fibromyalgia, MEFM, or chronic fatigue. And people typically who have these disorders have something called post-exercise or post-exertion of pain and fatigue and malaise. So exercise can actually hurt and create problems for a large majority of people, which is part of this dialogue that we're just not fucking having. Like you can't prescribe one size fits all literally to most people, but also in the conversation about disability and ableism, whether it's a mental health conversation, you're struggling with depression, et cetera. And it's hard for you to get out and move and be around people and, and be in environments that are conducive to exercise, but also these conversations that sometimes exercise is actually crippling. And it's just, it's just so important to know that so that we can step out of judgment of what people are doing in their own health journey to get to their version of best health. Yes. And, and like an empowerment that can come from that knowledge is knowing that you get to choose the people that you work with if you want to work with someone, do you know what I mean? And if you go to a health professional and they're pushing your body to do things, you know, your body better than other people, right? They're better than anyone else. You're in an intimate relationship with your body. You know it better than anyone else. And if you go to see a personal trainer, for instance, and the first thing they do is pop you on a treadmill without like, you know, ever talking to you about what your body's actually able to do. You have the right to say that this doesn't work for me. Yeah. Right? You have a right to advocate for your body, your body, and the, the conditions and situations that your body has. And I'm happy to see that there's an increase in health professionals that are more aware of these things, but kind of the old school training of a lot of health professionals, it's, it doesn't understand that we are complex beings that often have a lot of different things going on. And that's why an individualized path to health that incorporates your body, that listens to your body, right, is is one that I'm always going to advocate for. I love that. And I love that you just brought us back to this moment, this dialogue that you had with your body, because you set up that relationship across the table. And then later you get to be the voice for your body because your body can't talk. It'll talk to you. It'll send you signals and messages. But then you get to say... I'm the voice for my body. If you're having these conversations with medical professionals or health professionals or whoever, and say, I'm now speaking, not just for my mind, my brain, whatever stories and patterns are up there. I'm speaking for the body that's been trying to get my attention. And now I'm going to allow it to get your attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. So powerful. So powerful. So we're coming up. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this Um, in the back of my mind, this whole conversation, I've been thinking, Oh, it's Christmas soon. <laughs> as, as I'm looking at the date that this will be kind of airing on, 
I'm like, this is something that comes up questions around eating behavior and mm. dieting behavior and what you should do at mm. Christmas and what you should do around the table. It's just that like, bleh, it's making me like, bleh, even <laughs> as I think about that, because I know it's coming and I know my feed will be like, you know, filled with all of that stuff again. So what do we, what do we do over the holidays um, to just not, and I'm going to phrase it like this, to not compromise our mental health around these conversations? And I think it's, I think there's a way to do, okay, so I'll, I'll approach your question first. How do you not compromise your mental health around this? I think it gets back to that first thing we talked about, which is about your intention. What is your intention for this holiday season? Your intention for it, not other people's intention for it. We're so used to just hopping on everyone else's train and thinking that the wisdom lies outside of ourselves. But what do you want to experience? How do you want to feel? Right. So for instance, for me, I don't want to leave this holiday season feeling gross because I like ate a bit too, like way too much, which I have done in the past, but I also don't want to leave this holiday season feeling guilty, Yeah, you know, and spend all this time in a state of guilt right? I want to, I want to eat food. I want to enjoy food. I want to feel good in my body. And I also want to listen to my body too, because your body actually doesn't want to overconsume too much. Right. But when we're eating with our minds, sometimes, <laughs> you know, and we're eating with, um, you know, just sometimes we eat a bit anxiously or we eat in from that place of like, oh, my God, I got to get this food before it's gone, you know, but bringing our bodies along with us to the dinner table, being like, do you want more and actually asking our bodies as opposed to our minds, but drawing the wisdom from ourselves and not from people outside of ourselves. Yeah. A good place to also look is how is how have past Christmases been for you? What are things you have struggled with in the past at Christmas? Because we're all just trying to figure out ourselves, right? It's not, again, I'm sick of us going outside of ourselves for the wisdom, right? Sometimes we need guidance. Don't worry. That's science needs to help us along the way. I think maybe spirituality too, if that's the way you lean, but you know, we have a lot of our, like we are in a relationship with our body and we know what it needs and we know how it feels and we know what it tends to experience every year. We all know what our minds tend to experience every year. So how do you want this year to be different is I think what I'm trying to get to in a round. How do you want this year to be different? How do you want it to be different? How do you want to feel? Do you want, like, do you wake up every 26th of December feeling guilty and gross? what do you want to feel different? Well, why do you feel gross? (laughs) Right. And why do you feel guilty? And how can we change that? And if you do overeat, you still get to love yourself the next day. (laughs) Yeah. Like ditch the guilt. The intention is like, we're not even going to think about it's a this. low vibration, low, like gets you stuck and lead to disordered eating behaviors too. Guilt is often associated with, with some bad eating behaviors, the negative eating behaviors. So totally. we don't want to, we don't want to bring guilt to the dinner table, I think is what we're getting here. Right. 100%. We want to have, yeah, we want to have a plan. Maybe we want to like, you know, go towards an intention of feeling good in our bodies over Christmas, but like, I'm going to eat the things. I want you to know that, like, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not going to like my, my husband's been like cooking. I don't know if you know what tortillas are, but it's like a uh, meat pie. He's been cooking. I'm going to make cookies. I'm going to enjoy these things, 
but I'm going to enjoy them without like hurting my body too. So I'm going to ask my body to help me through this process. Such good advice. I flipping love that. And honestly, (laughs) I have really, really enjoyed, I knew I would enjoy this conversation, but I've Mm -hmm. really enjoyed it in a big way. I feel like I've, I've had this so many aha moments as I like often do, but so many takeaways, I think for the listeners today as well, just to be in conversation yes. with oneself, like what a miraculous discovery <laughs> just to have these dialogues. Yeah. And one of the things that we can do, I think, to continue this dialogue, to continue this conversation is I would definitely encourage anyone that's listening, anyone that is taking notes on this podcast today to reach out to Deanna. I know you have upcoming courses, one on nutrition, I believe that's yeah. for the general public. And then also there's an individualized weight management and body acceptance one. So talk to me about those offers. Yeah. So in the new year, I'm, I think there, so I've teach nutrition, I've been teaching nutrition for 15 years now. And one of the things is that everyone is confused because there's a lot of confusing messages out there and they're confusing because the, I would argue the food industry wants us to be confused. <laughs> so I just want to clarify a bunch of things. So I want to give, put together a course where people can find credible, right? Evidence-based information. That's actually like in real world talk, yeah. you know, and that clarifies things like what's a carb? Are carbs bad for us? Well, what, how much should we eat? Right. And what about fat in our diet? What, like, I will talk about weight in the nutrition course as well, but you know, when people talk about carbs, do you know what a carbohydrate is and what does that mean for your body? What, how much should we be getting? And what does that look like, like in a healthy individualized manner? So that's a bit of the nutrition course. And then the weight course, this would be like a weight-based approach course. This would be, again, just the leading science and with a lot of heart and compassion. If you do want to take a weight-based approach, how do you do that in the healthiest way that brings your body along on the journey and that's going to be sustainable and actually work with your lifestyle? not with someone else's. It's really about figuring out what's going to work best for you. Gosh, I love that. And I love that the option is there, right? Because if we don't have people like you having these conversations and offering credible Hmm. academic advice on nutrition and on this particular issue, we're kind of left to our own devices out there, like scrolling the feeds and finding stuff (laughs) that usually isn't all that helpful. So I love that you have this option on the table as well as the general one, which is just nutrition. Like, let's just learn the real facts here. So good. So now to wrap up, I'd like to do my sort of secrets are out segment, which is going to be real simple for you, Deanna, because I've Mm. got just a couple of like rapid fire things and typically they're funny, but today I just want to ask you this big one. Cause we've talked a lot about intentions and the power of intention and the healing kind of properties of intention setting. What is your intention for the new year? Given the crap we've dealt with for the past few years, what's your intention for 2022? My intention is really around my health. My intention is really about basically everything that I've been talking about is about bringing my body on a journey with my mind, bringing all of my, my body, my mind, and my spirit on a journey of healing (laughs) and of balance. For instance, I have quite a few digestive issues that I think I've never really addressed. 
And I'd like to address them. You know, I want to finally find the level of exercise that works best for me. And what's the balance of like harder exercises versus like yoga type things. And I want to finally feel really in control and happy about my diet. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty there. I'm pretty much there, but I, you know, I know that there's still work for me to do. And so my intention really is around finding that balance and bringing my mind and my body and my spirit into this harmony around health, physical, mental, and, and social health, Love it. you know, bring out my light a little bit more to help my light shine a bit more so I can help other people shine their light. I love it. Okay. My last and final question for you is incredibly selfish, (laughs) but I need to know, um, I am turning 40 in May. You recently turned 40. Mm -hmm. What is in store for me? What (laughs) happened? What happens to us? What, what, what happens after everything breaks down (laughs) (laughs) the day you turn 40, everything (laughs) breaks down. No, (laughs) (laughs) um like do you I, just wake up and there's like 10 new wrinkles and like 30 gray hairs like what did, i'll be honest with you i noticed <laughs> new wrinkles on the day i turned 40 i'm gonna be totally <laughs> honest with you i did i was like what the hell it's funny i like i did notice appearance changes and oh, probably just because my brain was aware you know that i that there was this shift happening but then again it took some like it's okay deanna <laughs> this is part of it <laughs> i think you never know until you actually are there Um, but it's also, I think with these milestones, it's a good time to reflect. It's a good time to be like, where am I at in my life? And like, what's important to me? Mm. What do I see for what are some intentions I have for the next little while? Where do I want my life to go? But it's also a nice time to like reflect on your first 40 years and be like, what are the kind of cool things that I've gotten to do? What are the fun experiences? What kind of good relationships have I had? But I'll say that if you wake up on the day you turn 40 and you're not in a good mood, because I know that <laughs> some friends that have had a harder time, <laughs> you know, just be gentle with yourself. Yeah, I you love know? that. I love that. Well, mine is, it was so strange and I'll talk about it on an upcoming episode because it feels big to me, but I had, I had my accident, I'm putting that in quotes, my accident, the thing that was life changing, life altering mm-hmm. for me, uh, two weeks before my 30th birthday. Oh, wow. So we had a trip planned. We were going to go away, celebrate the big three. Oh, this was a, mm-hmm. literally a decade ago. And I have had quite literally 10 years of mm-hmm. what feels like nonstop healing and change and transition and chaos in many, many ways from my body that we've talked about today, kind of ups and downs on the roller coaster of emotions and mental health challenges. I didn't know I would have to face in this lifetime and that I faced. So I have this kind of like 10 year package, which I'm trying not to like get attached to the fact that this will just (laughs) end for me when I turn 40, (laughs) but I have this like hope and this dream Mm. myself that when I get to that two weeks before my 40th, I can really wrap my arms around this decade and say, Mm -hmm. first of all, that fucking sucked in so many ways. Like that was really hard. And it was stuff going on in the background behind the scenes of unapologetically her that I don't know if I will ever share. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure yet. Maybe I will get to a point in my life where I feel comfortable sharing some of the crap that has been going on that no one really knew was going on as I was kind of stepping up into the spotlight all the time and being shiny and sparkly. 
but I really do have hope. And you have given me such hope today in this conversation that 40 is going to kick off with a bang, first of all, and that we can start a new dialogue. We can start a new dialogue with our minds, with our hearts, with our bodies. We can set new intentions for what that might look like or how we just deal with the things that might come up and the challenges that show up for us. So Deanna, I thank you so, so much for having this conversation. (laughs) We went long, which is so great. I love when we go long (laughs) because it just means it's such a rich conversation. Um, And if anybody wants to find you, of course, it is... Uh, DeannaBedoya.com. Now it's spelled like Diana. So D-I-A-N-A-B-E-D-O-Y-A. This will all be in the show notes. Also on Instagram at the Deanna Bedoya. And she does deserve the, the, <laughs> the Deanna Bedoya. Um, and there's also a YouTube channel as well, which I'm going to link dbedoya at sfu.ca, I believe. That well, that's my email. That's and your email. Just, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. And if you just go, if, honestly, if you Google YouTube and Diana Bedoya, I'll, right. I'll show up. Perfect. I've got I've got the things linked together in my brain here. But thank <laughs> you again for being here and for being a part of Unapologetic Stories. Thank you so much, and have Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everyone. Likewise. <laughs> thank you for joining this edit of the Unapologetic Stories podcast. If you're ready to share your truth and rewrite your personal life story, connect with me at unapologeticstories.com for all the details on speaker training, storytelling, and strategizing your way through this one big life. If you've enjoyed listening, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast listening app or Apple Podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Unapologetic Anna for new speaker training start dates. Until next time, stay brave, stay unapologetic, and keep bringing in your truth. <laughs>